Um, where's my, where are my glasses? There they are. Each year, we have an annual church theme, as you know, and uh, the thematic focus for this calendar year is being members one of another. Um, and today, we can, in the Lord's Suppers, uh, each Lord's Supper, we are looking at a particular passage and dealing with one of the one another's. And today is being considerate one of another. Oh my, is that message needed in our day, even in the life of Bible-believing churches? If you look at Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, not an exposition really of this text, uh, but just walking through really verses 24 and 25, but picking up to verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Christ. In other words, we have the assurance that we can approach God. We have a relationship with Him. And verse 20 tells us how. By the new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, because of what Christ has done for us, having a high priest over the house of God, what He is currently doing for us, ever interceding, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. In other words, having the confidence that we truly know and are, know Him and are walking with Him, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, the washing of the water uh, of the Word. It's that concept. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, not up and down, in and out, all over, but always constantly staying steadfast. And we're given the example of the Lord for He is faithful. He is steadfast, who has, who has promised, given us these promises. And verses 24 and 25 is what I want to draw to our attention. And let us consider one another, or be considerate one of another, to provoke unto love and to good works. That's the end goal. And how are we going to do it? By not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. In studying this passage, I like what F.F. F. Bruce, theologian, wrote. In view of all that has been accomplished for us by Christ, he says, the author says, let us confidently approach God in worship. Let us maintain our Christian confession in hope. Let us help one another by meeting together regularly for mutual encouragement because the day which we await will soon be here. I've read, I've alluded to this passage many times in my Christian life, my pastoral ministry. I've preached through uh, the book of Hebrews um, a couple of years ago, and this text is so rich, uh, especially verses 24 and 25, and I'd like us to consider them consider it one phrase at a time before we observe the Lord's table. And the first is consider one another, a, a compound word meaning to think, but it has a prefix on it which intensifies it. So it means to give the most careful attention, to seriously concentrate on what I'm going to say to you. In other words, folks, it's not a passive proposition. It's an intentional and active and passionate consideration for each one of us. It says, let us consider, present tense, plural, let all of us consider um, what we are to do to be considerate 
of one another uh, and means that I think of you before I think of myself. That is, I have more concern and more care for what is going on in your life than what is going on in my life. Now, that, uh, that's a high calling. Uh, that, is a, <laughs> that means dying to self and living uh, and serving the Lord. And what that looks like is serving the Lord means I'm serving you. That is, I'm actually looking to be a blessing, uh, a help in your life. I'm considering you, the text is telling us. And why am I to do that? Well, to provoke you. That's what it says in verse, 20, in verse 24, to stir you up, to stimulate you unto love and good works. You know, uh, this particular uh, verse, this particular phrase, uh, uses a preposition. That is, uh, we are to consider one another unto love and good works. That preposition is uh, in, in the Greek New Testament, uh, the word ice. And Thayer's Greek uh, lexicon defines it as governing the accusative, denoting entrance into direction or limit. You say, why do you bring this to our attention? Because the word demands the interpretation is it's driving for a goal it's like a basketball player driving to the hoop and so we are to be considered one another because we're driving toward the hoop of stimulating one another to love and good works so that means our presence here our presence among one another matters it matters that I am with you it matters that you're with me and that we are together as brothers and sisters in Christ it's no um, uh, passing kind of a thing. It's no in, uh, thing. It's nothing that is to be considered indifferent. We're not to be indifferent toward it. We're to be determinate. We're to be intentional toward it. We are to press toward and lean into that. Give careful attention to stimulating one another to a particular goal. And what is that goal then into which we're to lean? Love and good works. That's what Verse 24 says, Jesus in the world was love and goodness personified. Love was his attitude, goodness works was his activity. And I am to be that to authenticate, to demonstrate that I truly know and love and follow him. Uh, and one of the primary ways that I'm doing that is among the body of Christ. What does Jesus say in John 13, 35? By this, what? By love shall all know that you are my disciples, that you are my followers. And so really we are given the command to be considerate one of another, meaning you take first place before me. You are ahead of me uh, in line and uh, we're to uh, really uh, uh, be considerate uh, in that way. Commentator Hughes wrote, The failure of love shows itself then in the selfish individualism, and specifically here in the habit of some, of neglecting to meet together. Such unconcern for one's fellow believers argues unconcern for Christ himself and portends or it predicts the danger of apostasy concerning which our author is about to issue another earnest warning. Notice in verse 26, it says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. And so the command is that we are to be considerate one another. We're to really uh, uh, think upon one another and press toward the goal, the slam dunk, 
of stimulating each other to love and good works. And to do otherwise, frankly, is sinful. Well, how do we do it then? How do we, practically speaking, do that? By not forsaking. By not forsaking, verse 25 tells us. It gives us that instruction. Do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves as the manner of some is. Some have gone AWOL. Some are chronically AWOL, but this is not to be true of you. To not forsake means I'm not going to desert. I'm not going to abandon the people of God, but I am going to be chronically a part of their lives and they a part of my life. Folks, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here right now, but uh, the 21st century American church has become uh, quite individualized. It is, uh, it is me and God, and I can worship God uh, out on the golf course on Sunday morning, or I can do this and that. It's not about going to church, and of course it's not about legalism. A million times it's not about legalism. It's about a relationship, a, 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 an, intimate, a, an intimacy with the Lord. But that is expressed, and it is enhanced, and it is edified, it is built up when we are actually together. I tell you, uh, you all remember three years ago at this time? What happened three years ago at this time? The dreaded COVID. And churches were ordered uh, by the state, uh, by the authority, that you are not to assemble together. Uh, and there were churches, and there was a pastor in, uh, in Canada arrested, uh, and, uh, and churches in the in, uh, United States took heat for it, and one was taken to court, uh, and this and that. And we didn't know what. We, we, we were unsure of our footing back in those days. We'd never crossed this bridge. We, didn't, I, we just didn't know what to do. So in a moment, you know, what the enemy may have counted for evil, God worked for good. Uh, we ramped up, thanks to our IT committee. God bless uh, all of those who work uh, uh, in our technology community. Uh, committee. In one week, we did not miss a single Sunday of meeting together virtually. But I tell you, if we had it all to do over again, and if the government said, you are disallowed from meeting, uh, we're going to do something different. At least I'm going to do something different. I'm going to meet with, uh, uh, with uh, my, it'll be my wife and myself as the church, if that's all it's going to be. Uh, but I hope that you'll come along uh, with us as well. In other words, uh, the state does not dictate to us how and when and where and how often that we worship. Amen? <clears throat> so, uh, live and learn. That was for experience for us at that time. And so this idea of not forsaking, it's the, it's, uh, it's the imagery uh, of in the military going AWOL. You go AWOL out of fear or frustration or fatigue or uh, uh, your unit is, is in impending danger. All kinds of reasons why people go AWOL. But a good soldier, a good Marine is Semper Fi all the time. Hoorah! Got some Marines in here? A couple of them anyway. A good Marine is simplify, always faithful. Robert uh, Saucing wrote the follower of Jesus, cannot profess allegiance to him and deny his church. Wow. And so this phrase uh, has significant intensity. That is the not forsaking together. It has an intensifying prefix. It's the idea of I'm going to deliberately, I'm going to intentionally, I'm going to definitely not forsake uh, the gathering together of the people 
of God because we are one body in Christ. And if the liver is out doing its own thing and the pancreas is out doing its own thing and if the patella is out doing its own thing, the body is a mess, amen? We are to be gathered together regularly to drive to the slam dunk of stimulating one another to love and good deeds. It's not a suggestion, and it's not that you lose your salvation. It does, however, indicate uh, that the body of Christ, there's not an understanding of the importance of it when that takes place. William Lane wrote, Whatever the motivation, the writer regarded the desertion of the communal meetings, as the church gathering, as utterly serious if you neglected to gather. It threatened the corporate life of the congregation and almost certainly was a prelude to apostasy, leaving the faith on the part of those who were separating themselves from the assembly. In short, we need one another. The Word of God tells us that we do. The God of the Word has commanded that we gather and to do otherwise without a care would indicate the possibility of apostasy. That is, you really have left the faith or certainly of ill health. Folks, we need one another. Uh, If you serve on a committee, the rest of the committee members need you. Uh, If you've been a part of the choir, my, what a glorious, I tell you what, uh, if I was a layman here, I'd be in the choir, I think. Uh, If I was a layman here, I'd want to serve on every committee. I'd want to be in Awana. I want to be in Road to Bethlehem. I want to serve an extended session. Now, that's not hyperbole. Of course, one person is not to be doing all of those things. But the heart of the believer is to serve, be considerate, one of another. Or not. And the not would be violating what this text says. That I'm not gathered together. And if I'm not gathered, how, uh, uh, how can I possibly be stimulating you? How am I driving down the court for the slam dunk uh, of stimulating you to love and good works if I'm not even present with the body of Christ? I'm doing my own thing. You know, sleeping in uh, on Sunday morning, staying in the sack is being sacrilegious. You don't ever want to be sacrilegious. Instead, it's assembling of ourselves together. It's a good translation of that compound word. It means in church life, we're to be intentionally, regularly, physically meeting together until the Lord draws near. In the, when I was, say, 46 years ago, it was a time for me those early years when life in the body of Christ was of utmost importance. Second only to my marriage was, uh, and my commitment to the Lord himself was gathering together uh, as with the people of God. And that is still the case. 46 years. And folks, I haven't, uh, I'm no worse for the wear in those 46 years. I want to suggest that I've made a difference in lives, and I've had others make a difference in my life. That's how the body is to be. The leg bone's connected to the thigh bone. The thigh bone's connected to the hip bone, right? And you take one of those out, and it's a mess, and there's a problem. So, assembling ourselves 
together. Not forsaking, but exhorting one another. It's the word for called alongside of. And in the context of the local church, this is a, the huge point, really, in the passage. We're not to be lone rangers out there fighting the devil, but we're to be part of the same army, interdependent on one another, not independent of one another. And notice also at the end of verse 25, and so much more, gathering even more as you see the day approaching. It wasn't just for 2,000 years ago. The return of the Lord is drawing near, and I need to be all about being a part of the family of God in a real, intentional, continual, chronic way. Theologian, which has become a favorite of mine, Thomas Constable, wrote, regular attendance at church meetings facilitates love for one another because there we receive reminders and exhortations to persevere. It's only natural for one who is abandoned or weakened in his faith to absent himself or herself from the meetings of his or her church. However, this is the very thing such a person should not do. We need each other. So that's the interpretation. What about how to practically apply it. Is this given for just information? No, it's not given for information only. It's given for exhortation. We are to do something about this. And so I want to ask you, how are you being considerate of one another? Uh, we, we think of being considerate in our, in our phrasing as holding the door for somebody. And uh, maybe that's a, a small application of it. But it means seeing you as valuable. And if I see you as infinitely valuable because God created you and Christ died for you, then I'm going to run at making a positive difference in your life. And to not run at making a positive difference in your life within the body of Christ in a local church is to say, I can just do my own thing. Us four close the door, no more. Notice how Jesus spoke to just doing the bare minimum. In Matthew, excuse me, Luke 7, verses 7 through 10. But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, by and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to eat, to meet? And will he not rather say to him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink? Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise ye, when you shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. In other words, if all you do is the bare minimum requirements, Where's the glory? Where's the applause? Where is the well done, good and faithful servant about which the choir sang? This past midweek, I was at the bedside of my dying former father-in-law, and yes, that's the correct term, Pam's dad. And I got there 15, in Portland, Oregon, Vancouver, Washington. I was there 15 hours before he went home to be with the Lord. I believe he recognized I was there uh, through squeezing my, my finger and that kind of a thing. And, 
and all. And once again, uh, as I did a decade ago, and, and, and many, many times, so many times, I received from my in-laws, my former in-laws in that area, great accolades, lots of praise and affirmation in the care of my late wife. And it occurred to me, and I thanked them and, and all, tried to be gracious. But I've, I've heard it a number of times. And it immediately struck me. I vowed before God, in sickness and in health, I was only doing what I told God I would do. I was just doing the, the minimal requirements. There's no glory. Now where, and here's the blessing, when it is done with energy and intentionality and joy and gratefulness that you could do, don't know that I could do the same thing now at, at 66 that I did at 56. Body is taking a little bit more of a beating. And so no, no guilt uh, uh, if you weren't able to do that at all. You know your situation. I was in a position I could. But if I would have just been a caregiver, a hired hand, no real glory in that. I was just doing what I was supposed to do. But when you add the component of compassion and joy and intentionality for the glory of God, he's all over that. And so it turned out to be a great blessing to me. Now, here's the point I'm making. If we believe a husband should serve his wife in that way, a wife should serve her husband in that way, Parents and children, you make the application. How much more should a Christian serve his Lord in that way? Amen? How, how, much, how much greater is that? How magnified is that? How amplified is that? When I would do that for you or for my loved one, how much more is that to be directed in our service to the Lord. If you're a member here, and you physically and mentally can function at a level of serving on a committee, of singing in the choir, of working in extended session, of going on a mission trip, of whatever, working in Awana, serving in Road to Bethlehem, You name whatever the ministry is. If you can do something, you must. You must. Say, preacher, how can you say that? The text says, intentionally run at one another to stimulate love and good works out of that person. You run at him and her with love and good works so that he or she is stimulated to do the same. And then it just starts exponentially going off the charts. Attendance is good. But if that's all there is, then you'll need to say, I'm an unprofitable servant. I only did 
what was my duty. Raise it up a notch. Take a quantum leap higher and make it your delight to serve one another. Lord, I'm thankful for your word, the exhortation that we're given. It is stunning. It is chilling, in fact. When we consider to be aloof and indifferent toward the things of God, his body, very well indicates that that the person is not a believer, not a part of the body. Therefore, it doesn't matter to be aloof. Lord, would you bring conviction where needed, affirmation where needed, and motivation for all of us to continue to pursue love and good works for your name, for your glory.